0: morning, Calvary. It is so good to be with you this morning. My name is Matthew. If I haven't met you yet, I'd love the chance to say hi after service. A uh, few things that you might not know about me. Uh, some of you might know this. Some of you might. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not. Uh, two weeks ago, I became a dad. My. We are so excited. James was born healthy, happy baby and we're so pumped to be parents. Uh, I share this with you for a few reasons. One, just to celebrate James and, and how awesome it is to be parents and, and have him in our lives. Two, to let you know I'm a little sleep deprived, so if I start talking about dirty diapers and go off on a rabbit trail, bear with me, I'll, I'll circle back eventually, I ask for your grace. Uh, main reason though is that I just wanna share with you how excited I am that I get to raise James in a community of believers where he gets to look and see what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. That it's not just dependent upon me or my wife, Anna, but it's, it's the community around us that's gonna help show him who Jesus is. That's gonna help show him how we should live and, and how we should be a church together. That he gets to hear about Moses or, or Abraham or Jesus from other people other than myself. I'm so excited for that. I'm excited that he gets to look and see what a biblical church looks like. Well, what does a biblical church look like? To answer that, I want to open up to the first description that we have of the early church in Acts 2. We'll be opening up to Acts 2.42. So if you have your Bibles, open up or grab your phones or your tablets or whatever it may be. Let's open up the word together. Uh, Before we jump in and read that, though, I want to give a little bit of context of what's happening around this. Where is this in the history of Christianity? Uh, This is happening right after the day of Pentecost. When I say that, many of you, uh, some flags might go up. You might know what I'm talking about. Some of you might not know that story. A high-level 30,000-foot view of it goes like this. On the day of Pentecost, which was a Jewish festival, a Jewish celebration happening about 50 days after Passover, so 50 days after Easter, uh, the Holy Spirit fell down and filled the apostles, Jesus' closest followers, while he was here on earth. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to tell people about Jesus Peter stands up and to a multitude of people begins to explain who Jesus was and what he did and how we can respond to that. And in response to Peter's teaching, 3,000 people are added to their number. 3,000 people came to follow Jesus. And now we jump into Luke, the author of Acts, explaining what that New community looked like. What did that those people start to do? So let's jump in, Acts 2:42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I see three kind of major characteristics of this early church community. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. And even though it doesn't say it, I think it can be summed up that they devoted themselves to telling others about Jesus. Let's break it down a little more. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The early church dove headfirst into what the apostles had for them to know. They, they wanted to learn about who Jesus was. What did he do? What does this say about us? What does this say about the kingdom of God? And so they devoted themselves to that. And here's the thing. The, the apostles' teaching, teachings were, were the teachings of Jesus. Like I said earlier, the apostles were the closest followers of Jesus. They were with him while he was here on earth. They followed him around and saw how he interacted with the world, saw how he uh, interacted with the loss and the hurting of the world. They heard him speak often and they memorized what he was saying. They uh, were so involved with Jesus that it was every part of their life. They saw him die on the cross and they saw him Uh, raised to life again. And then after uh, Jesus was resurrected, he came and, and continued to teach them. He taught them about the kingdom of God and what his death and resurrection now mean for us. And so their teachings are the teachings of Jesus. They go out and tell about Jesus and what he has taught them. And here's the great thing about their teachings is we have them today. They're written down for us in the New Testament. And, and it's not just the New Testament, but it's this whole book. Because this is, is one united story that all points to Jesus. So their, their writings in the New Testament are informed by the Old Testament. So we now can be devoted to their teachings too by devoting ourselves to the Bible so the question is, are, are we doing that? Well, hopefully our, our middle name is Bible. Uh, so it, I hope we'd be about that. But it's more than just a church. Are we opening the Bible daily? Are we searching the, uh, its truths and applying them to our lives? Are we letting the Bible transform us? Are we devoting ourselves to it? They also devoted themselves to fellowship. Now that word fellowship brings with it uh, this sense of it's a shared experience or a shared belief. They have something in common that brings them together. That belief is that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the son of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. And their shared belief is what binds them and unites them as a fellowship together. So what do they do once they're in fellowship? Well, I think there's a few things. First, uh, Verses 44 and 45 let us know a little bit of that. And all who believed were together, and all had, had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. First ch- time you read this, you might think, "Oh, this is how this is telling us how we're supposed to live. I'm supposed to go and and sell all my possessions and and give to." anyone that has need. I'm supposed to live in this kind of commune type of society. And I don't think that that's what this is trying to say. I don't think this is a prescription for us on how to live. Rather, I think this is describing how we ought to relate to one another, that we should uh, care for one another, that we should count others as more important than ourselves, that we should love one another. I think... uh, that their model is that of a family. Now, I recognize not all of us have a a healthy family dynamic, but I think if you can, for just a moment, picture this as a a healthy family, one that cares and provides for itself, one that uh, reaches out and and meets needs. And it takes work to be in a community like this. It takes us uh, being on the lookout for how we can care for others, and not just financially, although that's a part of it, but also just looking at of how can I meet needs of those around me? How can I love others around me? Is it mowing lawns? Is it c- taking food uh, to somebody? Is it walking a dog or babysitting? Uh shameless plug. Uh, but yeah, what are those needs that you can meet with your resources? Sure. But just yourself in general. The other side of that coin, though, is also recognizing that I need to be humble when I have needs and raise my hand and say, I need help. My wife and I have been on the positive and the negative of that. I want to start with the negative. A year ago, fall 2020 was an incredibly rough time for us. Now, I say that, and many of us had an incredibly rough time in 2020, and I don't mean to say that our lives are more miserable than anyone else's. We recognize that people are going through struggles that we don't know. But for us, it was difficult, and it was a terribly difficult, terribly lonely time in my life. It started finding out that my dog was infected with heartworms in a somewhat serious infection. Now, something you need to know about us is we love our dogs. They're a part of our family. They're below humans on the totem pole, but they are on the totem pole. Uh, And we cared for him so dearly that this was a really stressful time for us. It was a long recovery process, a long treatment process. And this was compounded by the fact that just a month after we found that out, our apartment was broken into and we were robbed. And thankfully... Everyone was okay, dogs are okay, but things were still taken from us. Physical things, yes, but also our sense of security. We felt violated. Two weeks after that, I ended up having an emergency appendectomy where I had my appendix taken out. That was, a it happened all in a day. It was an incredibly stressful day for us. Uh, Looking back on it now, we, we tend to laugh at it, and my wife loves to tell the embarrassing story of me coming out of surgery In my sleepy loopy self and and all my mannerisms. If you want to have uh, those stories told, feel free to connect with her later. She loves those stories. Uh, But it was still a a rough time for us. There were other things going on as well. And I don't share these things to say, hey, look at me, woe is us. Our life is so hard. But rather, we were going through things. And rather than us jumping into community and surrounding ourselves with the community around us, we secluded ourselves. We pulled back. I pulled back from community because I was afraid of my doubt getting out. I was asking God tough questions about where was he in all of this? Does he care? Does he uh, still love us? And I knew the answers to that. I, I know what those answers are, but I didn't believe them in those moments. And so we secluded ourselves. And I went through an incredibly lonely time in my life, not only emotionally, but physically and spiritually as well. And it wasn't until we had uh, some friends of ours reach out and pull us back into community that we began to see the faithfulness of God. We saw his fingerprints in our lives through the lens of other people around us. He began to meet needs through our community around us that we were taking ourselves out of. It wasn't until we were in community that the Lord was bringing us uh, those answers that I was asking. That's the negative side. The positive side we're actually experiencing right now with James. I look out to this crowd and I see such an awesome community that has surrounded us. There's somebody here that's planned a baby shower for us. There's somebody here putting together a meal train for us. And I think we're up to about five families now that have all said, hey, if you need anything, a, a, a crib, clothes, some bottles, a swing, whatever it is, we'd love to just give it to you. They're being so generous to us. Now, whether or not they're just trying to clean out their garage, I'm not asking that question. I'm just thankful that it's directed at me. Uh, But we're so thankful for that. And not to mention the countless number of you that have committed to praying for James and Anna and I. This transition into parenthood has been a blessing to us. It has been so awesome to be surrounded by a community of people that care about us, that are meeting real needs in our life. That doesn't happen if we're not in community. Second thing that happens in community in the early church happens in verse 46. Uh, It says this. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Not only were they caring for one another, but they also shared their life with one another both in a formal sense in in going to the temple, but also informally by just meeting in their homes. Think about uh, back in verse 42, the the breaking of bread and the prayers. These are, are probably referring to communion, the Lord's Supper, when the church would come together and take the bread and the cup and remember what Jesus did on the cross. They, they gathered together as a people to center themselves back on Jesus. And the prayers refers to a, a formal prayer service that they came together and sought the Lord together. They praised him for who he was, much like what we just did a few moments ago. They came together at the temple, which we can think about as the church today. And we're in community there. They came together and they broke bread. They shared meals together in their homes. They opened their homes to those around them to be in community, to be known and to know others. It happens day by day. This happened daily that they were engaging in community around them for the purpose of building the body up that they shared their faith with one another and were strengthened by each other. C.S. Lewis has a quote that I think sums this up really well. And my notes fell, so small commercial break. C.S. Lewis was a, a really famous 20th century author and theologian. He, he wrote extensively about the Christian faith. Uh, And this quote is actually coming from a reflection after the death of one of his friends. It was a reflection on the impact that the passing of his friend had on a third mutual friend of theirs. This is what he says. In each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights then other than my own to show all his facets. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to a specifically Charles joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself now that Charles is away, I have less of him. In this, friendship exhibits a glorious nearness by resemblance to heaven itself where the very multitude of the blessed increases their fruition with which each of us has of God. Sometimes we can get into this mentality that all we need is God and our Bible and we're set. That's, that's all I need to grow in this life. And friends, the, that's not the case. The Bible doesn't point to that. It, we can learn on our own, but we're not going to grow in our love for God and for others by ourselves. We need people around us to build us up so that we can attain the fullness of God. That phrase is so uh, beautiful, that nearness by resemblance, that his interactions with his friends, that uh, I, I am losing a part of Ronald without Charles is a picture of our relationship with God if we are by ourselves. If we remove ourselves from community, we are missing out on who the fullness of God. Dr. Henry Cloud puts it this way in his book, How People Grow. Biblical growth is designed to include other people as God's instruments. To be truly biblical as well as truly effective, the growth process must include the body of Christ. We need people around us to grow in our relationship with God. The early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship, but they were also devoted to sharing Jesus with others. In in Acts 1, so if you just turn the page of your Bible or swipe up or over or whatever it is, we get to Acts 1 with the last words of Jesus to his disciples, his his closest followers. He tells them that uh When he goes away, when he ascends into heaven, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, they're going to be empowered to go and be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That they're going to be empowered to go and tell people about Jesus in their community, in the community around them, in the community next door, and wherever they're going they were committed to this. Verse 47 says this, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Again, this was a daily activity for them, that where they went, where they lived, where they worked, where they played, they were bringing Jesus with them to the world. We can be a church that's devoted to the Bible. We can be a church that's devoted to fellowship with one another. But if we're not devoted to bringing Jesus to this world, we're missing the point of being the church. This is a crucial part of what does it mean to follow Jesus. At Calvary, we have commitments very similar to this, associated with our small groups. Our small, we say what we want our small groups to be biblical, communities on mission from our our ki- calvary kids small groups to our students to men's and women's or our life groups we want to be centered on the bible that we would open it that we would search for truth in it that we would let it transform our lives that we would be community uh, driven that we would share life with one another that we would build each other up and care for one another in community, but that we wouldn't uh, stay there and turn our eyes inwards, but that we would be externally focused, living on mission, taking the love of Jesus to where we live, work, and play, that we would be looking for how we can serve the church and serve our community. We want you to be a part of this. We say at Calvary that we wanna be a church of these biblical communities on mission not a not a church with them that we want to be made up of these small communities on mission that are focused on the bible many of you saw those tables as you walked in and you might have been wondering what's going on today today's our Serve and connect expo we mentioned it earlier we do this regularly because we want to give you a chance to plug in to connect with what's going on here at calvary on ways that you can serve, as well as ways that you can connect in a community. So today there's tables for all of our ministries, all all the different ways that you can plug in for the fall. And you might have noticed we've made it intentionally difficult for you to get back to your cars without walking past it. We've made it intentionally difficult that you can't go get those yummy pastries without being in the center of what's happening. We did that because it's so important for you to jump in to a community around you that we don't want you to go home without talking to somebody. Now you might think, oh yeah, it's just because you're a church. That is part of it. I'm not gonna lie to you. It is our prerogative to get you plugged in. But because of what this says, that we cannot do this life on our own, that we need people around us to grow in our faith to work out our love for God with love for others you cannot go through life by yourself so don't go home without stopping at those tables because your community needs you and you need your community let's pray Jesus you're so good You love us so much and we're so thankful for the gift of life that you've given. Lord, would we uh, see you for who you are and, and come together to build one another up. That as you are the head of the church, that we would come together as the body. And as each body needs all parts, that we would come together to serve one another to lift your name up and make you famous lord love you In your name amen